You're listening to Scarves Around the Funnel, brought to you in association with Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs. Getting noticed isn't always easy, because there's so much noise! But at Forrest Hepburn and McDonald, we make it easy. With standout signs, business cards, shop fronts, banners, leaflets, vehicle graphics, the lot. Showcasing your products, advertising your brand, and getting business noticed. So, what can we do for you? Forrest Hepburn and McDonald, creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. Visit fhmcdsigns.co.uk. Waiting in the middle, and Jancic put a decent ball in. It's a deep one. Up goes McKenna, hit it back across, gone to the net. Kevin McKenna with the equaliser for Hearts. It's one all, and scenes of absolute joy in the away end. Hello, and welcome to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast dedicated to Heart of Midlothian Football Club, the football club. They will absolutely not be sacking Robbie Nielsen if they lost to St Mirren. I am Laurie Dunsire and I'm trying to remember who that quote is from. Mark Donaldson. You know what? I was always going to start with the mayor culpa. I got it wrong last week. And in a way, when you tried to tease me by saying, well, we've got audio from last week. This is how I got it wrong. This is from last week's Scarves Around the Funnel. Hearts will not be getting rid of Robbie Nielsen, certainly before the top six split. If we don't win another point, right? If you think it's bad right now, it could get a hell of a lot worse. But he ain't going in. The club is not getting rid of him before the top six split. If Hearts lose to St. Mirren, Robbie Nielsen won't be sacked. But I didn't say 100%, did I? I said (laughs) 99.9%. So that (laughs) 0.1%. You know what? I'm, I'm, I'm surprised. I was surprised when I heard, and uh, whether it's the right or the wrong decision, we're going to discuss that over the next hour, hour and a half or so. Um, but yeah, quite the weekend, Mr. Dunsire, and uh, you weren't even there. I was not. Uh, no, unfortunately, I, I tested positive for COVID last week. Thankfully, it wasn't too unwell, a little bit of a cold, but um, given I had been testing because Mother Half had um been suffering with covid i couldn't go to the game on saturday because you know jimmy sanders is getting on now um and you know didn't want to put the old guy at risk so i had to to duck out and it's it's funny because i'd been because i'd been stuck at home all week i'd been a bit i felt like all i'd been doing was looking at spreadsheets for work or sitting on social media and looking at heart stuff so i felt when i got to the weekend since i wasn't going to commentate i was going to stay off Stay off the computer, stay off social media. I'd watch the game, watch some football generally, but I was not going to, I wasn't going to get drawn into that because sometimes, you know, you probably all know what it's like. Sometimes you go down a rabbit hole and next thing you know, you spent half your day just trawling through comments and getting involved in debates and sometimes it doesn't feel healthy. So I decided to take a weekend off um, and uh, it was a fair weekend to <laughs> to skip Hart's social media, wasn't it? Uh Yes, we are going to talk about the game of the weekend against St Mirren and we're going to talk, of course, about the, the managerial change at Hearts and we thought since a few weeks ago 
we had a couple of guests on to talk about the situation at Hearts with the team and the manager after the disappointing result at Pataudry. We thought we'd get everyone back together now to to reconvene and see where we're at. So we're delighted to be joined once again, first of all, by Scott McIntosh. Evening, gents. Thanks for having me back on. Absolute pleasure. Always good to have you on the show, Scott. And also um, a man who has always um, been very adamant Rob, Robbie Nielsen should be given as much time as possible, Ian McLeod. <laughs> good evening, chaps. Nice to be back. Yes, Is it, Ian? Is it, is it nice? Is that the word you would use? Is it nice to be nice. back? Nice. Yeah, lovely. Didn't, didn't expect to be back so soon. But no. then again, we'll cover that. Yes. Neither did Mark, but hey-ho. Yeah. Mark's great like, to be back this week. I didn't expect to be talking about what we're talking about. No. No, I think you didn't expect Ian to be back so quickly to talk about oh, I'm always happy. <laughs> always happy when Scott and Ian are, are on the path. And I said this to you when we were messaged. I think we got we got a really good conversation. We got a, a broad range of opinions from Scott and, and from Ian, and and they're balanced as well. It's not just shouty shouty. Uh, and we we have a laugh, we have a joke, but I think the way that Scott and Ian put their points across as well um, is is appreciated. So thank you both for for coming on and giving us your time. What we're we going to talk about? <laughs> yeah, well, well, look, we'll we'll talk about some game. We'll talk about Robbie Nielsen. We'll we'll talk about interim manager slash coaches and we'll talk about what the future holds and Christ there's an Edinburgh Derby this weekend as well as if we didn't have enough things to talk about well an action-packed show up ahead you're listening to Scarves Around the Funnel sponsored by Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs who have been offering creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s so I suppose we should start with the St Mirren game we're not going to analyse it um, to death because there's not an awful lot to analyse, in all honesty. Um, but I guess, first of all, Mark, you know, much was made of, of what the team would be for this game after another disappointing result last time out. Um, we we saw the team line up. I, I have to say, when I first saw who he picked, I had a feeling he was maybe going back to a back three, putting Halliday over to the left, um, Hell Rose and Kingsley in, into the... Um, into back three with Smith right wing back but turns out he was sticking with a back four for this one Robbie Nielsen with Ross Stewart now deputising in goals for the injured Xander Clark a back four of Smith right Kingsley left Hill and Rolls in the centre Devlin and Halliday sitting uh, Forrest Snodgrass and Grant the attacking three so Snodgrass moved forward into number 10 role and Lawrence Shankland leading the line um, now I Looking for positives when the team came out. I think I messaged messaged you before the game and I said, well, plus points. I thought Devlin being back is good. Halliday getting a game is good. Mackay still not starting, given his form is probably a good thing. Stoggrass not being deep at the start, you know, as it transpires, maybe didn't really help with being in the team generally. And Shanklin being a number nine um, was, was maybe a good pick again. But um, I, I suppose were we at the point where it wasn't really about the, the the setup. It was more about what we we saw from those players out in the field. When I was younger, my parents got me a Hearts jigsaw from the club store. What Hearts have been trying to do, what Robbie Nielsen ultimately has been trying to do over the past several weeks, is rearrange these pieces to try and make them fit. I can't remember what age I was when I got the jigsaw. I can't remember if I've completed it or not. But for want of a narrative, basically these pieces, however they've been moved around don't fit together for whatever reason for whatever reason 
that's with hindsight. Snodgrass play, we didn't think he should. Kingsley over Cochrane, we thought it should be the other way around. Midfielders in there, two around Snodgrass, fine. We were we were happy enough with that. Forrest with Gino Janelli injured, playing wide on the right. George Grant, bit of a weird one, playing in Barry Mackay's position. And say what you want about Barry Mackay, I think Barry's better suited to come in from the left-hand side than George Grant. But you've got Hill and, and Rolls at the back, Kingsley and, and Smith as, as the fullbacks. It's now deeper than that. And we've seen that. It's about application. It's about hunger. It's about energy. And we worried after the game against Kilmarnock. Hold on here. They've had two weeks after the Aberdeen mess to, to get things sorted out. So our final roll of the dice was, right, we're at home. Now, we said it would be ugly. And we said it wouldn't be pretty. And I thought for the first 15, 20 minutes, we were the better of two. And when I say better of two sides, that, that's, that's damned by faint praise. We weren't great, but we showed something. There was a little bit of positivity, but there wasn't enough. And as the game wore on, once the first mistakes crept in, it was a sign of, of things to come. And ultimately, it was a day that um, will go down in history as a, a day that proved to be the final game in charge for, for the Heart of Midlothian boss, Robbie Nielsen, in his second spell in charge. Scott, I mean, looking at the performance as a whole you know we've we've spoken in length about formations on this podcast systems um and robbie nielsen's approach what we're trying to do tactically when it comes down to it you know given the performances in recent weeks even if you know take away all that did you see enough from even just those players out there you know taking away anything that the manager said to them no no probably not and i, and I think it was evident again that you're dealing with a squad of players, the majority of whom seem to be lacking a bit of self-confidence. Confidence is Confidence is a sort of overall team as well. And for me, I mean, I'm, I'm as guilty as the next person for paying a little lip service to the, the notion of formations being that important. But for me, Saturday, given, given the confidence or lack thereof that there seemed to be from the squad over the last few results... It seemed that going back to basics would have been the best thing to do. Just, you know, what we ended up doing when we went 2-0 down, basically, which is playing with Humphreys and Shacklin up top, playing a bit of percentage football and just overloading the midfield to try and get any second balls. The problem is we'd, we'd done it in a reactionary way. We waited until we were 2-0 down and down to 10 men. And by that point, there was, you know, there was very little that we were going to get out of it. So that was probably the most disappointment element, which is someone who's been a part of the club for a good, what, 16, 17 years out of the last 25, he more than most know the demands of a Tyne Castle crowd, even when we're playing well, let alone, let alone looking for a result. And yet we still looked quite passive. It was still a lot of recycling the ball. And and again, I mentioned this prior to the last, you know, prior to the last couple of games when I was last on the show, teams will do that. They know that they can concede possession of hearts and that, in our own half and give us 60-70% of the ball and, and try and hit us on the break and and again that's what happened on Saturday, it was a result that was really in the works for, for quite a number of weeks at Tynecastle. so that was the most disappointment element, it was the fact that we weren't proactive enough uh, in the team selection and sort of philosophy of the team and it just seemed like we, we sort of hit the panic button uh, round about the 60 minute mark Yeah, Ian, I mean Mark talks about being you know obviously the game that was a nail in the coffin, but I mean, ultimately it's a 10 minute spell that um, I guess does end up sending Robbie Nielsen packing. And, you know, we can, 
there's a lot of criticism deserves to be aimed at the manager. We'll talk about that a little bit, but you know, I think a lot, for, for me, a lot of these players have to look at themselves. And you look at that ten minute spell. You know, regardless of what happens before and after, regardless of tactics, the main goal with you know Kai Rolls defending, the overall defending for the second goal five minutes later, and just decision making from Robert Snodgrass. You know, you can say what you want about the manager, but those three things. I mean, that is that that's individuals just not given all they should or just not being good enough. I think that's fair. I mean, my Saturday routine uh, is jumping on the train from Newcastle, listening to the scarves around the funnel uh, on my way to Tencastle. No wonder you're always in a bad mood. Exactly. But I was listening (laughs) to Ryan talking about guys that are not getting a sniff thinking to themselves, why should we bust a gut in training if we're never going to see Saturday, and that kind of permeates throughout the club, and that was in my mind when I was watching the first half. It looked like, you know, that I thought Robbie had lost the fans at Kilmarnock. He was starting to lose the fans in the first half. But it looked to me as if he had lost the players. And the grand thing that you mentioned—that's classic square pegs, round hole stuff that we've well, I've, I've criticised them for certainly, and it, I, I don't, I don't think it worked. But the other thing that was going through my mind was, I think it was Mark that brought up the uh, uh, Snodgrass's tackles per game. And he made one right in front of me that he got booked for. And I thought, does that count as a successful tackle or not? Hmm. And I thought the way he was playing, he was going to get hooked at half-time. So two things. Half-time, there was an element of booing at half-time. It wasn't much, but it was there. And I thought, they must make changes in the second half. And I thought one of the changes would have been Snodgrass for two reasons. He wasn't playing particularly well. People have sussed him. They closed him down. And he was on a tightrope with that yellow card. When he gets the second yellow card, I don't think he should have been on the pitch at that time. Having said that, from my distance, I was on the other side of the pitch, Looked to me as if he won the ball. And I saw it in sports again, and he's clearly won the ball. It's a ridiculous decision to book him, but I don't think it affects the match in any way. But on the way up on the train, I was thinking, we'll be looking for a reaction from the Motherwell game. It never came against Aberdeen. We looked for a reaction at the Aberdeen game. It never came. We looked for a reaction against Kilmarnock. It never came. The day... The manager's job's on the line. We're playing not on plastic, on a pristine grass surface. We need to win. So I stuck a tenner on 3 nothing. Bit optimistic, and I tweeted at half-time, no reaction. My 3 nothing bets are tied up optimistic. <laughs> so the, the signs have been there throughout the first half. I think the one word to sum up... That as what he says, it meant it only needed one more goal. You, you would have been quits in. Well, I, th- I, would, I would say that. I think Robbie only needed a point to keep his job on Saturday, but he didn't get it. So I think the, the performance on Saturday, like the performances over the last couple of months, in, in the statement, the board alluded to seven weeks results, but I think the performances go back Further than that, that we might have got decent results in amongst the dodgy performances. But I think one word sums up Saturday. It was gutless for me. 
It was really poor. And uh, most most of my road disappeared around about 80 minutes. And I, I noticed the stadium empty. And I really just sat there watch, wondering what was going to happen at the end. And it, it was vitriolic, but there wasn't that many fans in the stadium to make it as badly as the Carthro incident. But I think, you know, that's one of the reasons. I don't know about social media, but being in the stadium when the crowd's actually chanting for the manager to go, I think that's maybe snapped the board into action. That's the key point, Laurie, isn't it? Because something's triggered them. Something has spooked them. And for all the... Why did the board wait as long as they did or the decision-makers wait as long as they did to get rid of Craig Levine? Maybe that was on their minds. I I, I don't know. Um, as I said last week, I... I did not think that, regardless of, of, of this result, that Robbie Nielsen would, would get the sack. So they've heard something. And Ian was talking about players, uh, sorry, spectators that left early on. There's a reason why several of them stayed, and that was to vent their anger uh, and their vitriol at the players, at Robbie. And that would have been noticed by the board by those who make the decisions. They sit up high in the main stand. There's nothing going on behind them. Everything was in front of them. The noise was there. And when you do have, um, regardless of whether it's a minority or a majority in, in this case, when, when you have a number of empty seats um, and a lot of people have already left, those who stay behind, who make noise, are going to be heard even louder. So that is maybe what spooked them or something, because they had a board meeting um, that ultimately led to, to Robbie's departure. And I got it totally wrong last week. I didn't see how Robbie Nielsen would get the sack if Hearts lost at home. Have I changed my mind? I, I'll stand by what I said last week. I didn't think that, that they would get rid of him. But I now have to try and see why they've done that. And they've been proactive. Now, you can't yeah. have a go at them for being reactive with the Levine thing and have a go at them for being proactive here. This isn't about whether Craig Levine should stay or whether Craig Levine should go. This is about £5 million minimum next season. And for us to come on, and, and me especially, to, to we do our predictions every week and it's always with the maroon tinted glasses. Maybe we should try and look at things bigger picture from, from an outsider's perspective. Not to the outsider's perspective that Ryan McGowan and myself and you were going through this earlier today and Ryan's like, most of the people outside Hearts he's spoken to today and this is Monday have said, can't believe Hearts got rid of, of Robbie Nielsen when they're still challenging for third. As I tried to explain to him, it's not until you're at the club, inside the club and know what's going on. Now, you know far more than me, Laurie, because you're you're there every, every match day or whatever, but something's not right. I think the players need to take a portion of the blame here. But as Ryan would say and anybody else would say, once a manager has lost the players, there is no mm -hmm. getting back. That's what it looked like on Saturday. And it's a gamble. You said it well last week. How many people gamble from a position of strength? Well, Hearts were in a position of strength prior to St Mirren game. They're not in as much of a position of strength now. They have made the decision. Time will tell if it's the correct one. Yeah, I mean, I think... Actually, you know, I've I've looked at a few comments. I've tried not to. I've I've not really got involved in any debate because I don't really. One of the things that leaves a bad taste in my mouth is people 
celebrating these things too much. And we said the same when Levine went. I, I, you know, the Levine one, don't get me, we all know the board seriously messed up on that. I mean, Levine had had a horrendous end to one season and started the next season just as badly. And we were, you know, we were spiraling into the championship. Um, so that, you know, they got that one wrong. But even then, I still didn't take any delight in in Levine going. And the same with Robbie Nielsen. I, I felt a bit, I felt a bit sad about it on Sunday because you know he's a he's a, a, a proper arts guy. He, you know he loves a club and he has and whatever anyone says, he's done a lot for Hearts. He's and people will uh, and he's he's had lots of flaws. Don't get me wrong. And I know Ian will make us well aware of them. But you look at his record. I think on the whole, what he's done, you have to say relatively. I think he's been successful. But for me, I actually think the timing is 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 right. I saw a lot of people saying. So premature, wrong decision. Can't believe they're doing it. I saw a lot of people going. It's far too late. I can't believe they waited this long. For me, it's 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 actually about the right time. You know, I think the writing was maybe on the wall the last few weeks. But while we were still sitting third, and while we still had it in our own hands, and while we had a home game coming up, and this is when I said I did say last week. I'll admit I thought we beat St Mirren, but when it came to the prospect of us losing to St Mirren, I said I think that'll that'll change things for me. I think I. I'm not saying I thought the board would actually get rid of them, but I think they were maybe looking at it that Hearts had been unbeaten in 15 at home when you take out Rangers and Celtic. They generally done pretty well against a St Mirren team who were pretty poor on the road, one win in their last 13. That could still get us over the line. That could galvanise us. So we've got a derby after that. He's got a good record in the derby. When you turn up at home to a St Mirren team, and let's be honest, we never looked like winning the game. Um, I'm not saying St Mirren looked like they were going to batter us. You know, they two chances and they took them, but we never looked like we were taking the game to them. That's where I think, where where are we going now? You know, we lose to Aberdeen and Killy away, fair enough, that's happened since I've been watching Hearts on a regular basis, but when you start losing home games to St Mirren without really laying a glove on them, that's when the, the alarm bells ring. And so I, I think the timing is actually, for me, is the right timing. You know, if we end up finishing fifth, the people who said it was too early will say, Look what you've done. Should have given him time. If we end up getting third, the people who said it was the right decision will say, look, it was the right call. Ultimately, you don't know. We might have finished third under Robbie Nielsen. I don't think we would have the way it was going. We might have finished sixth under Robbie Nielsen. You, you'll never be able to answer that question now. But I think timing-wise, the board have acted correctly for me in this mm. in this instance. That, that, that That's my opinion. I think... You've got to give them some credit. I think they've come out with the right things as well. I thought Andrew McKinley's statement today was pretty bang on in terms of thanking Robbie Nielsen, saying he's done a lot of good, he's he's helped get the club in an even keel, good season last season, but they can't ignore the run of results. Um, you know, for me, I actually think you've, if you're going to try and take a positive, which is sometimes hard because someone still lost his job and he's someone who I've got a lot of time for. I think you have to take it that way that they've actually acted swiftly and it's in our own hands still. I know we're two points behind Aberdeen, but we've got to play Aberdeen still again at Tyne Castle. So technically, although you'd favour Aberdeen at this point, it is in our own hands. So I don't know if anyone agrees or disagrees, but that's my feeling on the actual I, I, decision. I understand that. And I, I want to bring Scott and Ian in, in just a second, but I'm not betraying any confidences by, by sharing... This I didn't know that my mother had messaged Robbie Nielsen. Now, how the hell does my mum know Robbie Nielsen? Long story short, <laughs> last year took my dad to the Masters. 
uh, got a text from Robbie saying any chance of a, a, a cap or whatever, I'll transfer you the money. So I got my cap and I think it was a putter thing for his, um, a putter holder. Um, transferred me the money. <clears throat> um, and because I was with my mum and dad, they went back with it. And I'd said to Robbie, your mum and dad will pop into to Rickerton just to drop it off. He goes, no, no, I'll go to their house. No problem at all. So my mum was, was in Penny and Robbie Nielsen shows up. Um, transferred the money, she gave him the stuff. So they obviously had to arrange where we live so he could come out. So my mum gave the address. So she had his contact details. So my mum, I woke up to this this morning, and text to Robbie Nielsen, oh God, what she said. Huge big thank you for everything you achieved as a player and manager of hearts, Robbie. You gave your all for the badge. Best of luck for the future. Marion Donaldson, Mark's mum. Reply. Thanks, Marion. It has been an absolute honour to lead this club through some difficult times and take them back to where they belong. Once a jambo, always a jambo. Now, for something like this to have happened, and this is still within 48 hours of, of it happening, it's very difficult now, while the, the dust hasn't yet settled, to look back properly, because we've just heard from Hearts that Stephen Naismith with Frankie McAvoy and Gordon Forrest will be taking the club forward on an interim basis. And basically, if Hearts finish third, that will be your management team going forward for the new season. This is a job audition for that trio. And we can discuss that shortly with, with Scott and Ian. But if they get third, that's your management team going forward. The bigger picture here will be Robbie Nielsen's contribution to the football club over his two spells as manager, over his time as a player, winning goal in Basel, tackle in the cup final, um, getting us up twice from the championship, getting us to, to cup finals. The positives will be accentuated at a later date. Now is not the time for that, but now is not the time for it. Yes, he's gone, great, or, or whatever. I can understand that. But deep down, there's a reason I just read that out. Robbie Nielsen is a huge heart supporter. You speak to the Foundation of Hearts. Ian can attest to this as well. You speak to anyone from Big Hearts, Hearts Charity and Community Arm. He would do anything that he could. He'd give his time, even for us, Laurie, on this podcast. Four times he was on it, and he will be on it again. Probably not for a few months once the dust has settled. But this hurt him, and he basically said he was away for a large glass of red and a big cigar. Um, he would have loved to have taken Hearts to a trophy. Nothing more would have pleased him than winning a Scottish Cup. But he moves on, and, and he knows football's fickle. If Carlo Ancelotti can get sacked as many times as, as he can and, and other managers can, it's part, of the, it's part of the business of football. I just hope that in a few months' time and in years to come, we'll look back and we'll say, yeah, Robbie Nielsen can go down in, in Hearts history as, as someone who will be looked back on by the majority with a positive effect for what he did, both as player and as manager. Scott, um, how did you feel about it when the the news broke on Sunday evening that Hearts had obviously made the decision to to part ways with Robbie? I think there was certainly an element of shock. I, I still felt that he was probably going to get another game. I sort of felt that next week against Hibs, they were probably going to allow him to have that game because that would have had such a, in terms of short term, anyway, it would have had such a sort of huge turnaround and positive impact amongst the support if we'd managed to not only reclaim Ferd next week, but also condemn Hibs potentially bottom six as well. And that could have had a, a huge sort of boost 
even just over the next sort of six or seven games. And I, and I did think that the board would have given them that chance. So it was a shock, uh, particularly because there'd been that sort of radio silence on Saturday night as well. So you weren't really expecting anything to get announced uh, within the next sort of day or two. I would probably echo what Mark said. There's never, at least on a personal level, there's never delight when someone loses their job in any sort of walk of life. And as I said earlier on in the, in the show tonight, you're talking about someone who's given, you know, about two thirds of the last 25 years of their life to the club as a as a player and a manager. That's a significant amount of time. Uh, and I'd like to think that when the dust is settled and when Robbie returns back to Tynecastle in some capacity, whether it's as a guest or half-time guest or whatever it is, then he, he gets the, the due respect and the, that he deserves. Uh, but I, I think one of the... One of the key things to remember now about managers and just that whole sort of culture around, you know, how long a, a manager's lifespan is at a club, it, it really is now, a, a you know, an average sort of less than 12 months. Uh, and you look at even examples of elite managers like Antonio Conte and Jose Mourinho, even guys like that, it gets to a stage where players now with the power that they've got if they stop reacting to the same voice that they've heard for a couple of years, it's very difficult for a manager to win them background. And unfortunately, the player power tends to, you know, swing things in their favour and it tends to be the manager that goes rather than try and have a, a huge turnover again in the summary players. So there is an element of this where, you know, Robbie can only control so much of it and it's just a part of the overall culture of football. It's very cutthroat. And as Mark mentioned as well, you know, Andrew McKinley's done the best thing for the club that he sees fit. So he's made a proactive decision, which does bring a, a huge risk to it because we might not get third now and we might not have got third or we might have got third. We'd all be still in charge for the next two months. But when you look at a potential price point of £5 million, you've got to make that decision. That comes above any individual uh, either associated with the club or any individual fan and their feelings as well. So I do think the club's done the right thing. I would agree as well that the what Ian was saying regarding the statement, I think the statement was really strong and it was it was clear as well. I think there's been issues in the past where the statements have been a bit ambiguous uh, when it's when it's came to making decisions such as this. But I think we were very clear in thanking Robbie, but also making clear that we've had to you know make make a good short-term appointment and bring in Naismith on that on board. And I think now it'll just, it'll refocus the fans next week. There won't be any chat in the pubs prior to the game now about, oh, well, what's, what's Robbie done wrong the last few weeks? Or what the players done wrong? Hopefully the fans can be united and it'll lead to a, a, a bit more unity amongst the support when it comes to cheering the guys on to, to three points, hopefully on Saturday. Ian, um, was a feeling of it been a long time coming when the decision was made on Sunday. Well, and, uh, was it a shock? Uh, it wasn't a shock to me because my WhatsApp group started jungle drum beating about four hours before the announcement. <laughs> I was in that. I was in that grey area between is this a wind up? But you know, source one hundred percent. But the source was not forthcoming. So you think is this a wind up or is it not? And when I'm, st I'm still pondering that when the club. Who I noticed, and even when the club notice went out, I had to check it wasn't a, a spoof account because they have acted quickly, much to my surprise. I mean, I, 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 I'm laughing at Mark Wilson, Menon remarks, there's no way he'll get sacked, even if he loses it, Menon. 
when Mark said that, I agreed with him. I agreed. When Mark said what he said, I thought he won't get sacked. So I was really surprised, but quite pleased that the board acted quickly. Because this board has been really loyal to, to Robbie Nielsen. Uh, Mark mentioned, you know, third place finish, got us into Europe, got us into the championship, two cup finals, all factual, but also factual. He's been responsible for two of the worst results in our history, Burkir Kara in the, in the uh, Europa League and Brewer Rangers. So I think the board were extremely loyal to him in that difficult period. We also lost the Queen of the South and Aloha around about the same time. So he survived that and then went on to certainly improve the results. And it looked like he was starting to learn up to a point. But then this square pegs and round holes and, you know, being devoted to this three at the back that clearly wasn't working. It kind of became almost like a mantra, a stubborn mantra with him. And there was no sign of it changing. But in the last couple of weeks, he's changed to a back four. It's made no significant difference as far as I could see. And the results, you know, it's a results-driven industry. We call this the business end of the season for a reason. There's business of five million at stake here. Now, if we don't get it, it's likely Aberdeen will, because I think Hibs have ruled themselves out after being defeated at Tannadice. So if we hand five million to our rivals, that's a bitter blow to us. The second thing I think where the board acted is the crowd turned. The third thing is the direction of travel between Hearts and Aberdeen at the moment. They've got momentum. We look as if we're in free fall. So I think the board had to act, and it, it is a gamble, without a shadow of a doubt. I mean, I, I, I put on Twitter that I would like Naismith to be in there, only because with seven games to go, I know there would be no external appointment made quickly. It would have to be an internal appointment. Naismith's part of the Scotland coaching, coaching team. Naismith's a born winner. If he's a good manager, we'll soon find out. So, but it's a gamble that they had to take, in my opinion. So it's a right thing for me at this time. And if they didn't do anything and we ended up fifth or sixth, they would have been retrospectively criticised for being too loyal to Robbie. So I think they've done the right thing, whether it works out or not. None of us have got a crystal ball, but I think it's the right thing to do at the time, but I'm not taking any pleasure at the guys losing their jobs about it. No. Self-culpability, Ian, is, is something that's less and less in life these days. And I, I think it's important when you say something like I did last week about the 99% certain, the one thing I didn't take into account, and maybe I should have known now, given what had happened previously, is the manner of defeat. I said if Hearts lose against St Mirren, I didn't think he'd be sacked. But the manner of of, of the defeat... And the if we could still be playing, we probably wouldn't still have scored one. That is, and and again with regards to self culpability, maybe the signs were there. Maybe when 
when you wear maroon and white blinkers, it's it's very it becomes very difficult to see the football club from the perspective of others. But when you are, are as entrenched in, in our football club as we all are, the manner of, of the defeat, not just against St. Mirren, and I should have seen that. It's easy now saying I didn't see it and, and whatever. The manner of the defeat against St. Mirren, the manner of the defeat against Kilmarnock, the manner of the defeat against Aberdeen, Celtic, not really, but then going going further back. So that that's where we are. I, I thought they would stick with them. Um, I, we You cannot sit here right now and say it's the right decision or it's the wrong decision because only time will tell. But if we'd lost at Easter Road and then lost against Ross County, they would have been forced into a change. And as Laurie said last week, if that was to happen, by then it would probably be too late. Yeah. So there's an element of me that thinks, you know what, Laurie's talking about the, the timing right now is probably correct. I don't see any strands of hope that I can cling on to. Having seen that St Mirren game now, that would make me think, yeah, we can turn it around, regardless of how poor Hibs are right now. Because St Mirren were awful away from home. And they've come yeah. and they've had a game plan and they've won by two goals to nil against it's, us. It, it's the Hail Mary, I think, is what I, when we spoke after the St Mirren yeah. game. I, I said, at this point, I think you take the chance. And, you, and it is a risk because, you know, Stephen Naismith, you know, being a great footballer doesn't make you a great manager. You just don't know. He might be a terrific manager, he might not be. But you look at Aberdeen, and it's funny because before the World Cup break, we were four points behind Aberdeen. If you said at that point, go into the final three games before the split, a point behind, eh, sorry, two points behind them, you've got these fixtures and you'll play them at home again. At that point, you would take it. So it's it's not so much the position, I think it's the momentum. And you look at Aberdeen, have won five in a row and Hearts have lost five in a row. Momentum is huge in football, and I don't, I don't think Aberdeen are that great a side. But they've shaken it up. They got rid of Jim Goodwin, and whether it's, you know, I always find this spell quite hard to judge. Is Barry Robson a terrific manager, or have Aberdeen just been given that boot up the backside they needed? And I'll, to be honest, I'll find the same with this. If if these last seven games of Hearts get third and, and Naismith does very well. I'll be honest, I'll be slightly apprehensive about us just going ahead and, and giving him the job. I know you're saying that, Mark, that it's an, it's an audition, and it has to be an audition because he needs to be driven to think, I'm going to get this job if I do well, because otherwise this is not the same motivation. I would be slightly apprehensive about that because sometimes those these spells are tricky to, to get a proper reading. You know, if, if these players kick on and suddenly start playing, apart from anything, that'll annoy me slightly. Because that doesn't normally well, generally football. Because you that know, will players... show that the players downed tools for the former yeah. manager. If they start and it's the same happened to Aberdeen. You could see it, of course, under Jim Goodwin. But, um, but the slight difference is, Laurie, we've allowed our manager to leave with dignity. Yes, Aberdeen let their manager walk out of Easter Road on his own. And for that yeah. to happen next week would have been disgraceful. It so would I'm have. Glad I'm, I'm, yeah. A possibility. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, for me though. And I know, well, let's, we'll, we'll talk about, I'll, I'll make a little, I'll, I'll put a little interlude in here and we'll talk about the managerial post now. Forrest Hepburn and McDonald have been making creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. For more, visit fhmcdsigns.co.uk. Right, so Robin Nielsen's gone, um, before we talk about the Hibs game, I, I do want to talk about 
the managerial position. Now, it, it's been given at the moment, it's been confirmed. Stephen Naismith, Frankie McAvoy, Gordon Forrest, Lee McCulloch has left as well as Robbie Nielsen. Um, I think we all knew at this time of the season, it's not going to be someone new from the outside coming in. It's going to be a combination of who we had there. So I think everyone knew it would be kind of Stephen Naismith, Frankie McAvoy. I, I was unsure about what would happen with Gordon Forrest and Lee McCulloch before it's been confirmed at the time of recording this, this evening. Um, but I think we knew Stephen Naismith and Frankie McAvoy would be involved. Um, Stephen Naismith has obviously been BT manager in the Lowland, Lowland League. He's part of Steve Clark's coaching team for Scotland. Um, and Frankie McAvoy, who he was first team coach at Aki's Norwich and Preston under Alex Neal. He was interim boss at Preston. And here's here's something to look at as well. Just not necessarily Frankie McAvoy, but just generally. He won five of eight games when he was interim manager, when he was caretaker at Preston. So they gave and him the role permanently. The on a permanent basis. In the summer. And then, and then they fired 20, him. 21 games into the next season, he'd mm. only won six and they had to sack him. So I, I'm always wary of these... Um, audition type um yes roles uh, caretaker roles because you just, sometimes you just can't tell um scott how, how do you feel about the the decision who's in who's going to be in charge for the rest of the season in terms of stephen Naismith, mcavoy and forrest and what do you make of, of how hearts kind of look ahead to this role permanently in the summer yeah, so I'm, I'm I'm happy enough that you know they've, they've made the the sensible choice in terms of just making an interim position. There's there's so much involved in terms of the club needing to carry out you know due diligence and and sort of interviewing for the post. It was never going to be feasible for us to try and bring in a permanent manager you know within a few days without it carrying a huge risk of getting the wrong person on board. So I think they've done the most sensible thing, which is get people involved that will bring a sense of continuity to the squad. So keeping Gordon Forrest on board, I think a good idea as well. Uh, so that should hopefully help ensure that the players aren't feeling, you know, there isn't a sort of sense of whiplash for training sessions being completely different to where they were last week or things like that. So I think that's definitely a positive. I think also, given Stephen Naismith's background as a player, I think that there's a potential positive of having someone in a managerial capacity who has first and foremost a priority to look at the attack first and foremost, because I think that has been a huge issue for us. I know we've had issues at the back as well, uh, but I think there's definitely an issue in the final third in terms of being more clinical and you know people willing to have shots outside the box, not having to walk the ball into goals. So hopefully we might see some benefits of that as well. I, I have to admit, I'm, I would be really disappointed if this was considered an, an audition for next season. Uh, I'm going to be completely honest, even if Stephen Naismith won the next seven games, I would not want to see him employed as manager. And that's just, it's just based on a few things that we really need to know about our next manager. So so just one example, because we could be at this all night, but one example of what I would like the board to consider when interviewing for a new manager would be the manager's personality in dealing with a big squad with the demands and rigours of European football. Now, that was one thing that, unfortunately, we never really knew about Robbie when we hired him because, you know, we were hiring him from that position of weakness, he being in the championship. And it could be that dealing with a bloated squad and all the different personalities and having more players who were expecting to play but not play has been a, a, a big influence on what's happened this season to Robbie. So I do think that whoever we look to bring in, 
you need to be looking at some of that criteria, which is one of the reasons why I get so perplexed that reading the mainstream media and the Alan Ruffs of the world recommend the same names like oh, Steve Robinson oh. and Paul Lambert and Steve. And I'm like, none of these guys fit that bill. Just on that one criteria, I wouldn't be able to sit down one of those guys and say confidently, you'll know how to deal with the rigors of European football in a big squad. So there's a lot of things that I'm hoping the board are taking into consideration. So from that point, I hope it is just a short-term uh, deal, even if it is proven to be a successful one, but it was definitely the most sensible decision. I think with that taken into account, and you make some pertinent points there, the reason I said what I said, that it will be Hearts management team if he gets Hearts into third, for a couple of reasons. One, there isn't an obvious contender out there. And I take on board those that say, why does it maybe someone with a maroon persuasion? Or why does it have to be the the used names, the Stephen Robinson, the Paul Lamberts, the the John Robertsons and all that of, of this world? Um, so I, I take that so on board. So the can take your money, that's why. Well, it's the hardest market in the world to win money from. But how do you then say to Stephen Naismith, if he says, right, I want the job on a permanent basis, gets interviewed for it, if Hearts get third and decides, oh, right, this is, this is what I want, and you don't give it to him, right, Stephen, we need you to take Hearts B against East Stirling again this weekend. If he's then got the taste for it, remember he supposedly was in for the St Mirren job, and whether he was offered it or not, that didn't materialise. But I don't know how you then keep Stephen Naismith on your staff unless you give him an assistant manager's role and he's up for that, which that's would be fine. One. I was going to say, I'm sorry about this, but I don't want to see us go anywhere near that sort of boot room legacy that Craig Levine was trying to put together because that created a lot of problems last time round. where I, I always feel that Craig Levine took the, the role as manager to try and ensure that that legacy was maintained in terms of trying to get John Daly involved and Liam mm-hmm. Fox and Andy yep. Kirk. I'm not comfortable with going down that path again. And if it means letting somebody like Stephen Naismith go and us potentially, you know, kicking ourselves in the backside about that a few, a few years down the line, then so be it. But there's, for me, there's no question that we should be looking at Stephen Naismith as a permanent manager. Well, yeah, well, which which is fair. Um, I, that, I, that's what I think Hearts would probably do. But bear in mind, I also thought the Hearts board were 90% certain <laughs> that they weren't going to get rid of Robbie Nielsen. As far as Stephen Naismith's appointment is concerned, I like the fact it's a fresh pair of eyes. I like the fact that someone that's not been working with them every day, he's got ideas. Stephen Clark's kept him on um, in the Scotland coaching staff. He likes working with them. I think what it'll do, it'll help the strikers. Now, Robbie was a defender in his time. I don't think that helped the defenders ultimately. Uh, he didn't make Natty Atkinson a, a better player, for example. Um, can Stephen Naismith help the strikers? Will we? I think what, what we've seen, and I'll, I'll be honest, I've not seen too much of Hearts B, but I think the ethos is try and get Hearts B to play as close to Hearts first team as 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 the likes. Well, God, you know what I mean. No, I know. <laughs> what's the what's the point of playing a three at the back in the B team if you're playing a four at the back? Um, but it's different with the B team and the reserves. A reserve team, you can immediately just come in. Like we, we've got players that have been playing for the B team, which I would like to see now get an opportunity between now and the end of the season, not just throw them in for the sake of it, but a meritocracy. Um, Mackenzie Kirk. I mean, if we don't have Stephen Humphreys or anyone else when Liam Boyce is out, then what? why can't we promote from within some of the youngsters? Because what this is doing, I mean, Hearts B is, is just a, it's a means to an end to get these youngsters and to get these players who don't normally play some game time. 
Is it ideal? That's an argument for a different day. But Stephen Naismith knows every single one of them. If he can maybe pluck one or two, and the one five nil at the weekend, regardless of the opposition, confidence, momentum. So that's one thing for Stephen Naismith. Another thing is McAvoy, Naismith, Forrest. If Naismith is to get the job on a permanent basis, what's the deal with having your license? Does Stephen Naismith have his A license? I don't know. You have to have, I think, you have to have... Working towards it, at least. Working, either working towards it, um, because is it Will still? The kind of (laughs) English-Belgian boy um, that's managing over there, and they have to pay a fine for every game. Yeah, it's like 20,000 a game or something. Chris Doolin at Park Thistle is exactly the same as well. Yeah, exactly. So, again, I think as long as you're either working towards it or you have people in the management team that have the uh, that have the requisite licenses, then you're okay. So that might explain why Frankie McAvoy is there. But yeah, he he's got managerial experience, and I'm I'm content with that because we need something. We need something for the weekend. We can't yeah, just be can... looking now. What are we going to do? So this is what we have for the weekend, and this will tell us a lot about the players this weekend. Because if they suddenly produce a performance for the ages, then it tells you a lot about what they thought of, of Robbie Nielsen towards the end. Yeah, I mean, I can't believe you managed to drop meritocracy in this week after meritorious the other week. Um, but aside aside from that, I, I'm very much with Scott on this one. I think, you know, people talked about, it actually annoys me when people talk about, Dennett McInnes, you get him? I'm like, you're just replacing Robbie Nielsen with, with Robbie Nielsen. It's the same type of manager. It's the same type of manager that, honestly, what I listened to from Aberdeen fans for literally years was exact th- things I hear from Hearts fans. Um, I would rather, it, now that we've done this, you know, we've gone down the route of, you know, we want to make a change early, we need to go a different direction, the Hearts fans are demanding more than maybe just grinding out results and maybe taking a different approach against the old firm, then I, my feeling is that you, you do cast the net wider. And I'm not going to throw names out there because I think it's pointless. And some of the names I saw were either awful suggestions or they were just totally unrealistic um but you put it you, you cast in it and you, you go through an, an interview process and you look at, and you have a very defined candidate that you're looking for so they come in and they say here's my philosophy this is why how i want to play football this is my track record and this is why i think it'll work now there is going to be an element of risk with that i think robbie nielsen was always a little bit of a not safe but I don't think we were ever going to be you know, relegation candidates or struggling down the bottom of the, the table under Robbie Nielsen. I think, ultimately, we would have picked up again. Uh, we, we probably would have missed out on third, so that's why I'm saying this is the right call. But the likes of Robbie Nielsen and Derek McInnes, you know, Stephen Robinson, they'll be solid enough, I think. But for me, I'd like us to, 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 to look a bit further and try and find something different. Because apart from anything, if we're listening to the fans... I don't think even if they see it, they'll be happy with what we'll get from a Derek McInnes, from a Stephen Robinson, from a, a David Martindale for all he's done with Livingston. Um, from a Tommy Wright. Yeah, I don't know how I don't know how you feel, Ian, but that's how I feel. If we're gonna, well, I don't I, want, to, I, I really want to replace Robbie Nielsen and put someone in place who basically uh, has the same kind of caliber. Yeah, I agree with both you and Scott. Uh, you know, the, the usual suspects on the managerial merry-go-round they just seem to shift from club to club, you know. Um, the, the the Jack Ross, the Jim Goodwin, 
Uh, I see uh, Robinson getting mentioned. Is that because he's just beat us at Tynecastle? You know, none of them. None of them. Not interested. But going back to my corporate life, succession planning is a fundamental part of any business. So there will be a list. Now, in this industry, it's a bit dif different because the guys on your list might not be available. They might be too expensive. They might have got just got another job. Who's to say that Stephen Naismith is not on the succession planning list? If he is, and he wins the next seven games, as you, as you alluded to, of course he'd be considered. But I don't know if he is or if he isn't. But if he's on the succession planning list, and he does really well, he will be given a shot, surely. But I noticed, talking about Bookie's list, when you asked me to throw some name in a couple of weeks ago, I threw in uh, Shell Knudsen from Bodo Glimp. He started to appear in the list. <laughs> that might be that might well well be a bookie listening to our podcast. I don't know. There's but he's no, there. there's no chance we get. I mean, he's, he's been he's appeared in the betting for sure. No, I mean, I, I don't, oh. I'm not saying he's not going to appear. In the, I'm not saying he didn't appear in the betting, but he he's not going to go to heart. Some uh, even if we're. For sure, but you know, it's it's either good we go down that route or we end up with somebody we've never heard of. There's got a fantastic pedigree that's been under the radar. Fantastic. I think there's a. I think there's a. I think there's a, I think there's a someone in between. I think that's the right route. Don't get me wrong. I think that's the right kind of route. Someone who's proven themselves <clears throat> and would have a different yeah. approach. I just don't think him specifically. I think his next move, his stock's very high. I think his next move will be. To a club bigger than Hearts, yeah, probably right. I, I, I think you're talking about that. That's maybe not the right route, or it is the the right route. I think all routes should be should be looked at. For oh, this. Look, Steve, Stephen Naismith would to me would he, he would deserve to. I think he would guarantee himself an interview for it permanently. Would be my eyes if if he gets us third. I, I wouldn't want it to be a that's it. You're a done deal if we get third. <clears throat> but I I agree. You know he's. He, It'd be unfair. He wasn't considered. My personal preference would be we we look at a different route. But I, I think he... what if the players wanted him? What if the players were were approached when and look? I, I said what I said. I think, the Hearts, I think I think the Hearts board would give it to Stephen Naismith if he if he got them third. Is that the right or the wrong decision? So again, I I don't know. I think I think you need to you need to go down every single path to see what's down there. There's a there's a guy who's doing really well right now in Australia, and they've got high hopes. For him, he's a former um, Sheffield United midfielder. He's Kai Rolls, former coach at Central Coast Mariners, and his name is Nick Montgomery. And his his um, owner at his club has, has said that one day he believes he'll manage in the Premier League. Now, there's lots of types out there. The Polish manager at the World Cup, he's been linked. There was a piece in the evening news about that. And then you've got your next manager odds. Naismith, 4-1. to one, Robinson, 5-1. to one, Neil McFarland, 6-1. to one, Frankie McAvoy, 7s. Paul Lambert, eight. Danny Cowley, 10s with Gary Monk. Craig Levine and Robbo, 16s with Kevin Muscat and Neil McCann. That's basically saying no one's got a clue as to what's happening. Exactly. And that's that's because people have been putting money on these guys, as Laurie pointed out earlier on. That's how bookies work. But, you know, if, if, going back to my point about Naismith, if he's on the succession planning list and he wins the next seven games, he will be given a shot, whether we like it or not. I would absolutely stay a million miles away from what if the players wanted them? I don't think that should be factored into any decision by the board <clears throat> because 
Why do the players want him? Is it because he's their mate? They get on great. That might not but if be. He's get, if he's getting results, that, that's football. what I'm saying. Surely it would be. It would, it would, be, remiss, would it not be remiss of the board not to go to the captain Craig Gordon and to some of the players and to say, <coughs> "What what's he like? I mean, how are you getting on?" If they're doing well no. and Hearts no, no, win that's... seven games and Hearts get third, then Sorry, that's, that's, that's what I'm point. saying. No, of course well, you have to look at you, you have to look at every sing, single angle here. You can't just say if Naismith gets the wins, then it's his job. He would be one of the favourites for the job. The likelihood is he would probably get the job. But this isn't one whereby he is the obvious candidate. X being the obvious candidate, and surely it's just a matter of time before he he takes over. This is a tricky one, and I, I'm intrigued as to who will be the key protagonists. In making this decision, I think it's uh, he's the obvious candidate for interim manager, and yeah, that's agree, it as far as I know. That. Yes, yeah, agree with that. There is a name that we haven't really considered yet, or, or sort of discussed so far this evening, and ultimately, I think he should be the most important part of this process, and that's Joe Savage. And this is where this is where I've got a lot of sympathy for Robbie Nielsen because. In most circumstances, you have a directory football installed at the club and then the manager will follow after, whereas Robbie was at the club and then Joe Savage came in afterwards. And, and I don't know the other workings of the club, so I can't say without it just being complete speculation as to whether they were fully aligned and how they wanted the team to play or recruitment or anything about that. But ultimately, he's got to, he's got to be aligned with whoever they bring in whether it comes on a style of play, because what you really want as a director of football is to say to a prospective new manager, this is how we want the club to play from top to bottom, including the academy. Do you already have the skill set to bring that coaching skill and that philosophy in place? Because if not, it's really hard for a coach to have enough time to then develop those skills. So there is a lot that Joe Savage will have a lot of control over here. I'd like to think anyway, if it's anything like normally how directors of football are involved in the recruitment process, then he is probably the most important person. So I think they both report to Andrew McKinley, which would make them peers. If that's the case, I think this is maybe an opportunity to sort that out. I don't know if you guys saw a thread, and sorry for sabotaging this discussion, Laurie, but Lawrence Brody put a thread out, which I just want to read to you all to get your thoughts on it for the weekend. I thought it was a very pertinent thread that raised a number of, of points. Um, be good to get any of the key points raised from, from Scott and Ian. Robbie is a good guy and a good manager. He's been flexible over the years in terms of approach, which has seen him see off bad runs twice before. This time felt particularly horrendous, though. Working harder doesn't fix it. Working smarter does. This is probably the most expensively assembled squad in the club's history, and yet many of us have felt the pool looked unbalanced, particularly in midfield. January was perhaps an opportunity to make one or two very good signings, but we saw a couple of vanity project signings. Projects usually get managers the sack. Projects often reflect culture. Yes, injuries this season have been dreadful. Gordon, Halkett, Beningamy, Boyce are some losses, hiring for months too. This has only shown up poor recruitment, though. Too many of those who have played, including good contributors in 22-23, have disappeared. No idea if it's form or just hiding, but it's become too comfortable again. Brackets a constant theme for me over the past decade. Those players have let the club down spectacularly of late. 
But in truth, Shanklin's goals have masked some average performances throughout the campaign. Far too much focus was put on the Conference League. The celebrations the night of the Riga game worried me, brackets the post-game stuff with staff not on the park or players at the time. You'd think they'd won the bloody competition. So for me, it's about culture next. Not talking about culture, but living it. Arts have bobbed all over the place for a decade. Sometimes great, more often average. For the biggest fan-owned club in the UK, there's been far more disappointment than there should have been. After all, one and a half million of additional income a year from Foundation of Hearts contributions and the unbelievably generous annual donations from James Anderson have put Hearts in an enviable position to build genuine value with that investment. Finally, he says, that shows initially by year after year consistency on the pitch, but then by more than that, a trophy, a serious player sale or two for transformational money each decade, proper engagement with supporters, long-term training ground solution, Hearts potential to be a top 100 European club is enormous, and yet caution, distrust of fans, this ludicrous phrase, fan owned, not fan run, Lawrence's words, and a focus on infrastructure rather than people. Anyone think the AUS Love Holidays video was misjudged right now is weak. All of this has been done with millions and millions spent. It leaves me a bit hollow. So yeah, Robbie probably had to part ways, but I think the challenges are deeper, systematic, and most worryingly cultural. I would suggest a lot of really deep thinking is needed because just changing the manager is unlikely to be the silver bullet. It's going to take more than that. Laurie? A lot of good points. Um, I think there are there are more problems than, than just the manager. Um, and I think, I'm not going to get into everything that Lawrence said, I think he, he went to a, a lot of good areas there, but I think, um, you know, things like recruitment, I know he's mentioned looking at some of the holes in the team, we mentioned it before, a lot of that Robbie's involved in, but it's not just him. Um, I, I think there's been feelings um, far deeper in the club than just Robbie Nielsen. That's why, it's part of why I'd like to to see us Take our time and and try and make a a decision, which is to do with a, a, a philosophy we're going with. Not just because, for instance, Stephen Naismith does well. Um, if if Stephen Naismith sits in front of the the board, interviews for the job, and says, "Look, here's my philosophy I put forward. I think we can. This is our, the culture we're going to instill in the club." Yeah, maybe, maybe he's 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 got a chance. But I would like us to certainly go out and find someone that fits him with what we're looking to do and will. Uh, you know, I guess the Daniel Stendel idea. I like the, I like the, I like the idea behind it. Um, the execution, not so much. And regardless of of the circumstances, I don't think he was the, he would have been the right man, even if we hadn't been in free fall. So, yeah, some good points there. I think there's a lot more to to look at at heart. Um, but what I would say is as well, we've made a decision. I, I think it's hard for for clubs, especially clubs who aren't elite. You know, they're not at the top level. It's hard to not have these issues, these periods where things don't go right. Um, it's how you kind of rectify them, I think, is the big thing. Um, you know, a club like Hearts, you'll have stability off, off the field, but it's unlikely that you're not going to have spells like this where things start going wrong because what happens on the pitch is the ultimately what everyone cares about. So I think it's how we how we rectify this and what we do next. I think that'll be a big a big thing for us, um, because in the past we've made a mess of it. Scott, as well as Lawrence's 
thread. You put a thread of your own on Twitter earlier, titled A Few Thoughts on What We Need to Do Next in Terms of Replacing Robbie Nielsen. What was the gist of your thread? Yeah, I think one of the things that I'm keen to see the club do, which to be fair, they've already started by removing Robbie at this sort of important period and they've sort of tried to prioritise the, you know, the potential reward rather than think about the risk. And I think there would have been plenty of Hearts decision makers down the years that would have probably stuck with Robbie in this position and include Anne Budge in that group. So I think it's good to see that we've sort of started to remove ourselves slightly from the acceptance culture. And I think the acceptance culture at the club stems from being, just in my own opinion, is an underachieving club for about the last 50, 60 years. Uh, and you can bracket Aberdeen and, and Hibs in that as well. Aberdeen maybe more so the last 30 years. But, you know, for clubs our size, we certainly are an underachieving side in terms of number of relegations, number of cups won, number of third positions in the league as well. So I think you can even see it with some of the fans when Robbie was removed yesterday where it's, oh, well, we don't know if we're going to get someone better. So should we have done it? And it's like, well, if you start thinking about it just purely from a risk aspect, you're never going to get anywhere in life. And all I would say to those people is, thank God they're not involved in the marketing for season tickets. Because if that's your, you know, if if that's all you've got to say about this situation, you're just worrying about the potential risks. What's the point? We've got to aim high. And I know that, you, you know, the old firm in terms of even just a wage bill, it's so superior to ours that it isn't about matching Rangers and Celtic. It's about pulling away further from our our, our rivals. So how do we improve the away form? How do we turn because again, away form's not just an exclusive Robbie Nielsen issue. It's an issue we've had since the Joe Jordan days. I don't think we've ever been in double figures for away ones since Joe Jordan was in charge. So you're going back 30 years for that stat. So there's a, a lot of things. I think Lawrence is spot on. It goes beyond Robbie Nielsen. Robbie's just a small part of the issue and it could be now that Joe Savage is going to get his chance to maybe bring in his own man, it could be that we find out in the next six to 12 months that maybe Joe Savage has been a part of the issue as well. Uh, and that's something that we're going to find out. So that was kind of, my friend was kind of pointing towards things like that, but also just, again, just the, the annoyances that I find when it comes to potential managers. So like you guys have already mentioned, there's a few names that, it's just, it's so lazy, you know, it's jobs for the boys stuff. So you'll hear people on Sports Sound or Open Goal or PLZ Soccer and they just, you know, what about Martindale or Stephen Robinson suggests that they would be able to do a better job than Robbie Nielsen? We'd be better keeping the compensation we're going to have to pay him off and just keeping up because they're not going to do a better job. They've probably got the same ceiling in terms of managing and experience and sort of potential as what Robbie has. Uh, the other thing that really winds me up is when people say, oh, well, you know, let's get a hearts man in. And I'm like, well, that, that, to me, then they just come in with that burden of expectation and acceptance that we've just been discussing there about the last 50, 60 years. So that brings its risks as well. Uh, so I definitely think, as Laurie's mentioned, it probably needs to be someone that we, we haven't even thought of. It just needs to be someone who fits the, the criteria that Joe Savage and Andrew McKinley have got in terms of you know, how they align with the academy, how they align with the recruitment, how they align with the philosophy of the club. And once they've been able to interview those people, and hopefully they 
you know, they do all the, the necessary checks at their end. So they want some footage from the club that the, the person, the candidate, potential candidates currently involved in. If all those things are done correctly, it increases the chance of getting the right man involved. Uh, and that's really all the, the Fred was kind of sort of hopefully alluding to. You're listening to Scarves Around the Funnel, sponsored by Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs, who have been offering creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. We're, we're not going to get into kind of candidates for the, the managerial post too, uh, too much at this point, because you know, it's obviously still quite a few games left of the season. We don't know who will be in the mix come this summer, but it'll be interesting to see. I do want to look ahead to this weekend's game away to Hibso. Um because it feels like it's been overshadowed by everything else, bizarrely, because it's a derby and it's a very big game for both clubs. Um, and it, a very weird, it would have been a weird atmosphere with this one, I think, if Robbie Nielsen was still in charge, because you'd have two managers who I think um, there'd be a groundswell for them to leave from both sets mm. of supporters. You know, the, the Hibs fans aren't too happy with Lee Johnson just now. They've lost four in a row going to this game. Hearts have lost five in a row going into this game. Um Obviously, interestingly, now uh, Hearts will also have someone else in charge, so it gives them a little bit of a bounce. But Mark, um, it's it's just tough to know how this is going to go. Um, I think from a atmosphere point of view, from around Hearts, it'll be a bit more positive now. But mm-hmm. it doesn't always transpire into what happens on the pitch. And Hearts are nine unbeaten in the derby going into this one. They've not lost the Easter Road in over five years. Um, mm-hmm. But again, we spoke about how big each weekend is this another big weekend uh, you know Aberdeen play at Ross County on Friday night if Aberdeen win that then Hearts are potentially looking at if they lose the derby being five points behind at the end of the weekend and that's starting to get tough gap to close if Aberdeen get beat up in Dingwall then suddenly Hearts go into a game against Hibs with a chance to go back into third so yeah. it's such a big game and it it's made it very hard to call for me because I'm I'm kind of feeling optimistic, but that also makes me slightly <laughs> uneasy. <laughs> Funnily enough, and even although it's only been two or three hours since we heard that Hearts interim management team will be Stephen Naismith, Frankie McAvoy, and Gordon Forrest. Bizarrely, and I, I explain it, I'm, I'm probably more optimistic now going into this game because I'm intrigued as to a response from a set of players. We can we can deal with the if they suddenly show up against Hibs and and react to new voices like so many players do in so many teams whose managers have just been fired and the new manager bounce of a new voice coming in and they get a win or a draw when they've been on a run of results. It happens in football. So we can leave that for another day. How come they can't play for Robbie Nielsen but they can play for Stephen Naismith or whatever? Just give me a win. So I'm, I'm probably slightly more optimistic going into this game now with different voices than it would it would have been it would have been fake optimism I'll admit it if 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 Robbie was still in charge with the record that that we have going into it we probably would still predict a victory based on what I don't know that's because what we always do <laughs> no I, I I know and that's 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 on us so there is there is a little bit more optimism going into the game this weekend even more optimism because I was on the phone to a friend of mine earlier Luke Shanley who is big heavy. He's a trackside reporter for, for Sky. And I said, talk to me about Hibs. What, what's going on? Are they playing three at the back or four at the back? And he goes, oh, he says, I just wish... Well, <laughs> he said one or two things, which I won't repeat, um, about his wishes as a fan for the club. 
Um, but but he did say they have played three at the back and they have played four at the back and they've they've looked a mess since Porteous went away defensively. They'll probably score goals because they've got Kevin Nisbet and Ellie Yuan who who've done well. They don't have Martin Boyle. Um, they've been playing Josh Campbell and Harry McCurdy. These are all players. I mean, they're playing Chabria at left back who can be anything. Um, so they're not too dissimilar to when we went there and won by by three goals to nil. So. Yeah, I'm intrigued as to see the response we get, um, and and I'm 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 more optimistic now that that we'll get something. And by the way, if Ross County takes something from Aberdeen, which there's a chance on Friday night, what an opportunity for Hearts! And if we can't get up for that, sounds like what we said last week. If we can't get up for St Mirren at home, um, we're still in this one. We're still in this one, but we need a good result on Saturday morning. I mean, apart from anything, Aberdeen's game after Ross County, even if they beat Ross County, they've got Rangers after that. So if Hearts Correct. can win their next two, it's a good chance. Yep. Yeah, the good chance they'd be third, uh, regardless of the Aberdeen-Ross County game. But obviously, it could go the other way. Scott, are you expecting any drastic changes from Stephen Naismith, or is that just a tough question to ask at this point? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's really hard to tell if, given the, the magnitude of the match, I can't imagine there being too many changes in terms of personnel. Or shape. I think it's going to be about the major changes that I think the fans should want to see is probably around application and intent uh, in terms of sort of you know being a bit more direct and really kind of going for the jugular early on. You know, you're talking about a Hibs team that have went on a bad run themselves. Uh, that's four four losses now in a row. From what I saw yesterday, and I and I watched the whole match, they've they've got similar problems. Watching Hearts, that's what I text my heavy mate. <laughs> they've, they've got a similar they've got a similar problem to Hearts in terms of being very passive and recycling possession quite a lot at the back, not really having a lot of creativity of penetration in the middle of the park, but still having those uh, focal points up top in terms of Nisbet, Yuan, and Kukinevich, you can almost produce something in spite of the manager in tactics rather than because of that. So that the, they are a dangerous team still because of that uh, sort of front three. But I would feel, I, I still would have felt quite confident even if Robbie had still been in charge, just purely because I think that the Hibs, you know, they, they really do struggle for leaders. They're struggling to defend cross balls now that Portis has left. And there's definitely a few areas that we can we can sort of hit them from. And now we've hit that sort of first psychological blow by making that change in management as well. So hopefully that sort of feeds off into the players in the stands. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm quite confident we can get three points on Saturday. Ian, how about you? So I got my ticket for the Hibs game before the Kilmarnock game. And the Kilmarnock and St Mirren results have left me wondering what I'm thinking about coming all the way up from Newcastle to watch this. But three things have changed. One being new management team in place. They must shake things up, which is what I think most of us have been asking for. The second thing is, like Scott, I watched Hibs against Dundee United and they were only too impressive. Yeah. In fact, Dundee United could have been three or four outside uh, before Hibs actually equalised. Yeah. Right, so um, I'm confident about that. And um, my mate Doogie Mercer then said to me, we're a different animal when we play them. And we are. So when these things, three things combined, I'm a wee bit more confident than I was uh, after I bought my ticket, to be fair. So I'm, I'm looking a, a bit more forward to it. I saw a thread 
on Twitter yesterday. I thought it was Hearts fans, actually. It was guys complaining about slow possession football for the for the sake of it, no cutting edge, and I thought this could be us. So, yeah, they, they're in the same boat as us, but we've sacked our manager, and they've not. And they're desperate to sack their manager. But because of the um, managerial merry-go-round they've had, and the fact that the ownership issue is a bit up in the air due to the unfortunate demise of Ron Gordon, I think they're going to stick with him for a bit longer. But I don't think that's making the natives down there any happier. So, yeah, I'm I, I'm quite happy with the way things have turned out. Is it a good thing that it's an Easter Road, gents? Nah, I think if Robbie Nielsen was still in charge, I would have said yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I think now it probably. It probably doesn't matter. Our record is good against them in, in both games. One of the other things I thought Ian was going to mention is one of his three, but a Hibs, a Hibs fan, I know, messaged me going, great news for Hearts, Snodgrass suspended now. <laughs> so there, there is no way Snodgrass is, is, he de- is he definitely suspended for two yellows? That's a red. Yeah. yeah you got new rules. The, no, no it's a suspension. It's a one-game ban. I know it's a suspension, but is it immediate? Um, for two yellows, yeah. Yeah, yeah. If it's in the same yeah. game, your, your accumulation yeah. of yellows of doesn't always kick in immediate. But he'll be correct. Too, yeah, he'll um, be accumulation suspended. of yellows is two weeks afterwards, but uh-huh. that's an accumulation over five yellows and however many weeks. If you once you get to the the threshold, then you're banned two weeks after um, the final yellow. But for a suspension, so that, no, he, he yeah, misses out. That, that's that, that's a good thing. Right. Let's talk. Let's talk predictions. You know, we always, we always, we always do this, so we're going to have to do it again today. Mark, what do you fancy for a a scoreline and a and a heart scorer in this one? I have doubts over our defence, but not as many doubts as over their defence. So both teams to score, Hearts to win two one. Shankland among the goal scorers. Okay, Scott. Yeah, I'm going to agree with Mark. Uh, definitely don't have confidence in us keeping a clean sheet, uh, but I do think I do think we could get a couple of goals ourselves. So I'm going to say two one, and yeah, I'm going to be boring and just say Shanklin's going to continue his uh, hot streak against them. Ian, uh, I'm going Shanklin, and just for the Hibs fans listening, penalty. <laughs> <laughs> Scoreline. And I wouldn't, assume... I wouldn't be surprised if Cool makes an appearance at some point. You you wanna you wanna give us a scoreline as well? I'm assuming you're gonna go with the Hearts win. Oh one nil. One nil. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm a I'm agreeing with Mark that I think uh, you know, Hibs do have some threats up front. I think um Nisbet's a good player. Hello Yuan when he's on his game can be dangerous and I thought Kukarevich when he came on looked a great finish for their goal so given how if we've been I, I'm not sure I can see us keeping a clean sheet but I think they can be got at I'm going to go 3-1 hearts and I was toying between it being a George Grant arriving his big arrival properly but I'm going to go with Cami Devlin I think he's going to be Ooh. up for this one and he's going to score a rare goal in front of the Dunbar end and it'll be bedlam when he runs over and celebrates. I just hope he doesn't do a full stamp and he's already on a yellow card because you know off. fine well. You know fine well he gets sent off. Unless it's no no, we've got games to come. No, there's no excuse. He definitely can't get sent off. Um yeah, he's gonna rattle one in from the edge of the box through a ruck of bodies. 
I'm getting very specific now. Given I can't usually predict the result, <laughs> trying to predict the exact manner of a goal is quite bold. But there you go. Can, can I just check? All these Hibs players that you mentioned that are dangerous, they all played in the 3 0, 3 0 back to back, didn't they? Yeah. Uh, Kukurevich. Kukurevich was injured, but uh, in this um, bit, you and were involved. I. Um, I, I, to be fair, I thought. I thought Elie looked had some good flashes against us, but I'm just saying... Hey, can, we, think... can we not go down the road of, of worrying about the opposition? Because I think at times we did that under Robbie and let, us, let well, them worry about us. No, well, we're not the ones oh, who are no, well, just been telling the players about to worry about them. It's oh, the manager's just, job. Let's stay positive and, and let me take you back to week week 13 of the season. Aberdeen were in third after a 4-1 win over Hibs. Hearts were in seventh. Five points and seven goals worse off. After that, Aberdeen went on a shitty run, and Hearts went on a really good run after the World Cup break. We turned it around once, we can turn it around again. There you Let's go. hope so. Let's hope so. Um, we will be back next week to discuss the game, whatever happens. Um, until then, thank you to Scott, thank you to Ian for joining us. Um, it's a new era, um, let's hope for some more positivity in the coming weeks. Thanks for tuning in. It's time to move on. It's time to get going. What lies ahead, I have no way to know. But under my feet, baby, grass is growing. It's time to move on. It's time to get going. Broken skyline, moving to the airport. She's an honest defector, conscientious objector, now her own projector. We are delighted to be joined for a fourth time on huh? Scarves Down the Funnel by Hearts head coach Robbie Nielsen. How are you doing, Robbie? Very well, thanks, Laurie. Good to be here. It's nice to talk to you again. I didn't realize it was a fourth time, mate, but it's good. To, always good to be back. It's time to move on. Time to get going. What lies ahead, I have no most handsome outfield player. <laughs> I don't know if you're going to answer this, but I'll offer to I'm going to go for Stephen Kingsley when he wears his Ray Bands. He likes to wear bands about the. Yeah. Like I like that. Yeah. That, was, that was my choice. Yeah. Leave it, leave it. He's a little bit, um, bit different in his styles, but I like it. I do like it. European nights, I get something special about them at, at Tyne Castle. You know, I do that as if it's like the, the time of year that they usually happen at, but you come in, the floodlights are on, there's always that kind of, there's a feel about the place, you know, so hopefully we can get back to that, because it is, it's, it's just a, it's just different class to be able to play in these games and be involved in. Time to move on. It's time to move on. It's time to move on.
Oh, 